Hello and welcome to Misty 101 podcast. World War III warning, more than a billion at high risk of conflict following displacement. The Ecological Threat Register, ETR, by the Institute of Economics and Peace, IEP, revealed that 11 of 15 countries with the worst environmental threat scores are currently classified as being in conflict. The main finding from the ETR is that there is a cyclic relationship between ecological degradation and conflict. In the vicious cycle, degradation of resources leads to conflict, and this leads to further resource degradation as a result. The experts warned that many more countries risk following suit, risking a horrifying global-wide crisis. To avoid this, the experts said a systemic approach to improve the ecological environment and resilience of society is needed. This means a change to how development is currently undertaken is urgent. The ETR discovered more than 1.26 billion people live in 30 hotspot countries suffering from both extreme ecological risk and low levels of societal resilience or societal safety and security. These countries are least likely to be able to mitigate and adapt to new ecological threats which is likely to cause mass displacement. The number of people displaced by conflict has been steadily rising with 23.1 million people from hotspot countries living outside their home country in 2020. Europe has the largest number of displaced people from hotspot countries at 6.6 million. It is expected that this figure is likely to increase by tens of millions as ecological degradation and climate change takes hold, and the number of malnourished people has been on a steady increase since 2016 and is forecast to rise by 343 million people by 2050 creating another source of conflict. Food insecurity has also increased to 30.4% of the world's population. This shows progress has declined after undernourishment was steadily improving over the past several decades. They also found that malnutrition is worse for men, particularly in Africa where twice as many males suffer from thinness than females. Three areas of the world suffer from the biggest risk of societal collapse as a result of food insecurity, lack of water, population growth and the impacts of natural disasters. Sahel Horn Belt of Africa from Mauritania to Somalia, Southern African Belt, from Angola to Madagascar, the Middle East and Central Asian Belt, from Syria to Pakistan, reported said these areas urgently need more attention. Sub-Saharan Africa has the highest levels of food insecurity, with 66% of the population food insecure. By 2050, Sub-Saharan Africa's population is predicted to be a shocking 2.1 billion, a 90% increase from today. It also has the poorest measures of societal safety and security. Sahil is also predicted to be the next region expected to face societal collapse as a result of the increasing prevalence of radical Islamic groups. Asia and Burkina Faso are currently among the world's least peaceful countries measured by the GPI, and are amongst the worst scorers on the ETR. Worryingly, new polling of over 150,000 people in 142 countries found that the world's biggest emitters of carbon dioxide are countries where their citizens are least concerned with climate change, are also some of the most populous countries in the world. 
Exactly 23% of China's citizens view climate change as a very serious threat, while India recorded only 35%. Global average was 49.8%, men slightly more worried than women by 2%. Out the collaboration from these countries, climate change action is unlikely to be effective. The UK scored impressively high with almost 70% of citizens voicing concern over the climate crisis. The United States scored far lower, somewhere near the global average at around 50%. Clear to result in further conflicts, TR also uncovered that by 2040 more than 5.4 billion people will live in countries facing extreme water stress, with Lebanon and Jordan most at risk. Sub-Saharan Africa 70% of its population are expected to suffer from inadequate access to safely managed water, which will be made worse by high population growth. P worked with 60 leading policy stakeholders to develop policy recommendations that promote global ecological resilience. Included the recommendation to combine health, food, water, refugee relief, finance agricultural and business development into one integrated agency in high-risk areas. It'd be a talking point at COP26, where Boris Johnson will host an important climate summit for discussions among world leaders. Gillily, founder and executive chairman of the Institute for Economics and Peace, said, COP26 provides an ideal opportunity for leaders to recognize that the ecological threats of today need to be addressed before climate change substantially accelerates them, costing trillions more to address. solution to these problems lies in a more systemic approach, partly through the conscious integration of development agencies. Problems of conflict, food water insecurity, displacement, business development, health, Education and indeed climate change are interrelated, and the interconnectedness of these relationships must be recognized for them to best be addressed. As pensioners and unpaid carers to lose free NHS prescriptions, kick in teeth. The government is planning to raise the qualifying age for free prescriptions in line with the state pension age of 66. Changes were to go ahead. Around 2.4 million people between the ages of 60 to 65 will be forced to begin paying for their prescriptions from the NHS. Organisations and charities, including Age UK, are warning that unpaid carers may end up foregoing their own medication as they will not be able to afford the extra cost. To Age UK, almost one in four people between the ages of 60 to 65 in the UK are carers for a loved one to 860,000 people, which is less than the 1 in 10 of whom receive any financial assistance via carer's allowance. A asserts that continuing with this course of action would be a kick in the teeth for pensioners, as well as their unpaid carers who are looking after them. Told Age UK, as an unpaid carer whose only source of income is carer's allowance, I need free prescriptions able to afford my prescriptions if I have to pay for them, meaning my own health will deteriorate and I won't be able to continue with my caring role. And, named Debbie, added, I've had to take an early retirement on a reduced pension to care for my husband who has dementia. 6% of unpaid carers in this age group have given up employment or part-time work to focus on their pastoral duties.
the pill to swallow campaign, the charity is lobbying to stop the government's plan to scrap free NHS prescriptions for this age demographic. Cites that the government will save more money by keeping the free prescriptions for pensioners and unpaid carers as they will lose money down the line if people stop taking their medication if they no longer can afford it. It feels discriminatory as the more medical conditions you have, the harder you'll be hit. Rahams, HUK's charity director, outlined why she believes the government's current position is far removed from the reality of many unpaid carers. Rahams said, earlier this week the Secretary of State for Health and Social Care, Sajid Javid MP, called on families to do more to help their loved ones. Seemingly aware that his own department is considering a policy change which, if implemented, will hit many thousands of brilliant carers in their early and mid-sixties really hard. A position that makes no sense at all and a real kick in the teeth for older carers. Is new to the job so may not yet realize that a massive one in four of all 60 to 65 year olds is a carer, often for an aging parent sometimes for a partner or a sick or disabled adult child. Cannot have it both ways, if it is serious about valuing carers, people who sacrifice so much and who save the country billions a year as a result, it should shelve the idea of making any 60 to 65 year old who is not exempt pay for their prescriptions, after many years of them being free. The evidence showing that older carers often struggle with their own health problems, so making start paying for their medication simply risks them becoming even less fit and well. When health breaks down and they are unable to continue to care then this is not only bad news for them and their loved one, it piles extra pressure on our beleaguered health and care system too. So Department of Health and Social Care considering adopting a policy that makes care a breakdown more likely, and at a time when we are not yet out of the woods of the pandemic. For not too late for the government to change its mind. We Secretary of State to drop a bad idea which flies in the face of other government priorities, one which was developed before he joined the department. As a free NHS prescriptions are available to all residents living in Scotland, Wales and Northern Ireland. Age hopes to push the government in the coming weeks to drop its proposal to raise the qualifying age for free prescriptions to the state pension age. Your hypertax disc could be worth more than £1,000. Discs may have been scrapped years ago, but drivers who hung on to an old one could now be able to sell it for hundreds of pounds. For in August 2014, the DVLA ran out of perforated paper, the special material used to print tax discs on. It meant two months, until they see production entirely, people would receive non-perforated tax discs, which they'd have to tout themselves. Limited edition discs are considered rare and experts reckon they'll accrue the most in value in the long term likewise, those with typos and printing errors are also seen as more valuable. Obvious those in good condition are worth more than tatty or torn tax discs. Discs were brought in 100 years ago in 1921, and became commonplace in all car windscreens. Motors play them on the inside front of their windscreen to prove vehicle tax, or vehicle excess duty, had been paid.
but SIPA 2014 paper tax discs were phased out in favor of an electronic register. Around 7 billion tax discs were issued during this 100-year period, with most being destroyed. But some still surviving can sell for hundreds of pounds online, according to leasecar.co.uk. On eBay are being sold for up to £1,250. The disc in question dates back to 1970, and is unused and pre-decimalization. These rate it more valuable to collectors, known as velologists. And it dates back to the Second World War, it could also sell for more. Vehicles your war effort had tax discs with war service marked on them, and are rare. Regardless, tax discs which have their sleeve-vidge intact, the paper that surrounds the disc, are also more collectible. But if you touch a rare tax disc, don't lose heart. Even fish tax discs from as recently as 2009 are trading for up to £300 on eBay. A leasecar.uk spokesperson said, Many people find it fascinating to explore buying and selling websites to look at the variety of used car tax discs that are available today. These small pieces of paper are an important part of our motoring heritage and it is particularly poignant that on the 100th anniversary of their introduction on our roads that car tax discs from as early as the 1920s are actively available to buy. Vehicle tax in with the 1888 budget. A tax initially for cars came in in the Roads Act 1920. State pendle change in 12 weeks due to Brexit, are you affected? At the moment planning to retire outside the UK can still get national insurance credits while living in another country. However, which are due to come into force on 1 January 2022 will change this. It will mean citizens living in Australia, before 1 March 2001, Canada or New Zealand won't be able to count the time they spent abroad as a qualification period for the state pension. The change was bats aged 66 as well as those who haven't yet reached state pension age. On the government, the Department for Work and Pensions stated, the change will affect you whether or not you have claimed your UK state pension yet. Your UK pension will be calculated, or recalculated if already in payment, using only your UK national insurance record. After the new UK citizens who lived in Australia, before the 1st of March 2001, Canada or New Zealand won't be able to count the time they spent abroad as a qualification period for the state pension. This could mean people will receive less or even nothing at all. To qualify pension, people need to have 35 qualifying years which requires them to have paid at least 10 years in national insurance. That's not lots of people but those that have moved abroad might not realise how Brexit could affect their payments in retirement. Who will be a f- changes? The changes who are A UK Nash EU or EEA citizen or Swiss national People who move EEA or Switzerland on or after 1 January 2022, including if you move to live in another EU, EEA country or Switzerland on or after 1 January 2022. 
The UK is currently worth £179.60 a week, a small increase of £4.40 on last year. Meanwhile, has launched a last-ditch attempt to save the pension triple lock in September. They fear that Mihiris will be thrown into retirement poverty. The triple lock e that state pensions will increase each year in line with either earnings growth, price inflation or 2.5%, whichever is highest. However, moved the wage link this year meaning lower state pensions for future generations. Total power bananas electricity grid shuts down after running out of fuel. The El Zarama power stations stopped working after supplies of diesel were apparently exhausted, and energy production dropped to below 200 megawatts. The outage a few days, at least, Reuters news agency has said, quoting an official source. The Lebanese completely stopped working at noon today, and it is unlikely that it will work until next Monday, or for several days the official said. The Thermolex stopped at Zarani power station just one day after the Daama plant stopped on Friday due to a fuel shortage. The state-elect will try to use the army's fuel oil reserve to operate the power plants temporarily but this will not happen anytime soon, the official said. It comes as levels with a fuel shortage that has forced many businesses to close and left people relying on the black market. People have queued to fill up their vehicles, with the chaos sometimes resulting in violence. At the end of set a man died after swallowing petrol he was siphoning out of his vehicle's tank, the country's national news agency reported. The UN estimate 8% of the country's population is living in poverty, with soaring unemployment and a currency that has plummeted in value. In August, 80 people were killed and 79 others injured after a fuel tank exploded at a warehouse in northern Lebanon where fuel had been illegally stored. It is part of a wadis, compounded by corruption and governance, which affects almost every part of life in Lebanon and has seen the Lebanese currency sink by 90% since 2019. The country remained all turmoil following the appointment of a temporary government following last August's catastrophic Beirut explosion that killed more than 150 people and injured 6,000 while destroying large parts of the city. It happened after two 750 tons of ammonium nitrate, used as a fertilizer and in explosives, caught fire after being sunned safely at a port warehouse. State pension wardens distrustful of triple lock policy change. Last month, Rishi Sunak confirmed plans to temporarily suspend its triple lock pledge on state pensions in a bid to save the country money following the economic crisis resulting from the pandemic. Introduced in 2010, the triple lock is a promise to increase state pension payments by either the rate of consumer price index. CPI, inflation, the average rate of earnings or by 2.5%. Due to wages be raised due to furlough, the state pension will either increase by CPI inflation or by 2.5%, according to current government plans. Later this month, UNAC is set to provide further clarity on how the state pension will change further, 
but any potential changes are set to put into effect by April 2022. According to a survey thousand UK adults price comparison website NerdWallet, many pensioners have become growingly distrustful of the UK government over their handling of the triple lock. Some 36 pundits from every age demographic admitted the decision to suspend the triple lock has made them less trustful of future pension policy. This figure rises 2% among Britons who are aged 65 and over, suggesting state pension recipients are less than pleased with the government's current course of action. Support for the suspension lock is extremely low with only 25% of respondents agreeing with it. Support was highest in the generation, specifically those in the 18-24 to 24 year age group at 40%. The age demographic the suspension the least was people aged 45 to 54 years old at 19%. Overall, 30% of those surveyed said suspending the triple lock on the state pension has left them seriously concerned about the potential impact it will have on their future retirement income. However, NerdWallet reveal that the triple lock change on state pensions is encouraging people to make alternative post-retirement plans. Some 19% respondents said that they were more likely to make greater private pension provision through either their workplace or personal pension scheme. Around half of those permitted to taking a proactive pension approach were respondents in the 18-24 to 24 years old demographic at 47%. Richard Eagling, scenes expert at NerdWallet, outlined what many pensioners in the UK are feeling towards the UK government over their handling of the triple lock. Mr Eagling said, Lock is an expensive commitment for any government to carry but it has enjoyed strong public support since it was introduced in 2011. Fear of voter reprisal The government wary of altering the triple lock to try to rein in such liabilities and these concerns are not unfounded. Suspending the triple lined confidence in the government's pension policy and left many questioning whether more permanent changes could be on the cards. A significant number are coming to the conclusion not to overly rely on what the state pension might deliver and are now looking to step up their own pension provision to increase their chances of enjoying a decent income in retirement. Currently, the stands at £179.60 per week, with the actual amount depending on a claimant's national insurance record. People who have either a personal pension are still entitled to receive the government's state pension. Pension payments are used every four weeks into the claimant's personal account of choice. Send us home Begaf is stuck in UK hotels. Afghans who recently the UK after fleeing the Taliban takeover have asked to be sent back, casting doubt over the success of Ration Warm Welcome, the government's Afghan resettlement program. It was launched by Boris on 29 August to help Afghan refugees arriving in the UK by providing support so they could rebuild their lives, find work, pursue education and integrate to their local communities. However, a widespread housing means hotels have been commandeered as emergency temporary accommodation for 7,000 Afghan refugees, with Home Office officials admitting that some will be held in them for months.
Already some refugees. One doctor, who has the newly arrived Afghans for weeks but who requested anonymity, said, I've had a few patients telling me they want to go home. One guy, who was sixth, kept saying, I can't take this anymore. I have to get out of this, room. The GP, an Afghan country in 2000 when the Taliban were previously in power, added, another said, I just want my freedom from the hotel. I had to put him on medication and his wife, because they were so upset. There are also concerns for those held in hotels following the evacuation from Kabul airport, with one charity describing confusion over access to local GPS. One council leader distance program as a shocking failure. Councillor Danny Thorpe of the of Greenwich, South East London, said the lack of organised government support when 700 Afghans arrived in the borough in August was unforgivable. This was one of the most shocking government that I ever encountered, he said. Thorpe accused government of providing enough support or sending enough officials when hundreds of Afghans were initially put up in hotels in his borough during their 10-day Covid quarantine. He said, there was a huge between the rhetoric of senior government politicians and their actions to support those people. When Greenwich Council told they were about to run out of baby milk, Thorpe claims they were told that some would be delivered in a few days. In Sheffield, where a five Afghan refugee fell to his death from a hotel window in August soon after arriving in the UK, the local council has concerns over the suitability of hotels for holding Afghan refugees. A spokesperson said it had misgivings with the Home Office, but would not elaborate on what response it received. Meanwhile, the local association which represents 328 of the 333 councils in England, called on the Home Office to reduce confusion in data that it is sending to different locations over the actual numbers of Afghans and their needs. The government needs to end with local authorities and share regular data about numbers, needs and strengths of Afghan refugees and others recently resettled said an LGA spokesperson. Jill O'Leary, lead Dr. Amber Foundation, which is working with 650 clients, said the situation was muddled and confused, with certain contractors at hotels where they were obligated to help Afghans register with a GP and explain their entitlements. When we consider the needs of seems to be a blind spot with the Home Office when it comes to vulnerability she said. A spokesperson for Medact charity that campaigns to protect human rights to healthcare, said they were concerned with the provisions for asylum seekers, including those under Operation Warm Welcome. They said, the Home Office duty to provide at least minimal support to otherwise destitute asylum seekers, but arrangements by the Home Office and its contractors to house those waiting in interim publicly funded accommodation are medically dangerous. The Afghan GP added that in Afghan arrivals were placed in hotels there was inadequate medical provision. She described one incident at where she found a malnourished disabled child who had not been registered with the medical authorities. A Home Office spokesperson the UK's biggest and fastest emergency evacuation in recent history helped over 15,000 people to safety, 
and hotels remain a temporary measure to help accommodate those we brought here. It is going to take time to find homes for everyone but we are working urgently with our partners to do so. Our aim is to support everyone who told here to build a successful life in the UK, and that is why we work around the clock to provide wraparound support to families. This includes working close authorities across the UK to ensure everyone temporarily accommodated in hotels has access to essential provisions, healthcare, education and universal credit. We ask you for your support by all donation helping with bringing these programs to you for your enjoyment free of charge. We hope that you have enjoyed your time with us. We thank you for your support and next time.